All right, back to podcast, Sunday evening podcast, and uh, appreciate the good day in the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, river life, and uh, the river of living waters coming out of us. Um, we are going to the book of James, James chapter 1, this is a already gotten comments on this study. This is this is going to be a good study. It's a great book, great book. James is a very, very practical book. I I, I told you last time that it was the the first New Testament book written. Um and so based on that, we, we should consider a lot of things um when we when we think about that, when we think about it being the first of the New Testament books that were written, what, what do you mean, preacher? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, it the practicality of it is 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 almost striking in regards to the fact that um, is it's the first book given to us in the New Testament. Again, Matthew in is is the first is in the order and of course it has the birth of Jesus and they chronicle the early accounts but the first one that was penned to paper was James and it just happens to be one of the most practical of all of the New Testament books and so let's go to James 1 and 13 1 and 13 this is good very very good <clears throat> in this we are drawing a differentiation in temptation and testing. Do you recall when we done our Genesis study um, on Wednesday nights and the Bible said that God did tempt Abraham? And I went in and I taught you what that meant. It meant a testing. It meant a trial uh, and that's what <clears throat> that's what God was doing with Abraham. He was testing him uh, for the purposes of promoting him, of moving him forward, of doing something greater. <clears throat> excuse me, with him. Now, when we done that study, I, I told you that this did not have to do with the temptation of sin. And the reason we knew that is because of what this very first verse in James 1 and 13 teaches us. And that is, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he tempteth he any man. So the writer now, what he does is he passes from testing... So we started this chapter out in the testing uh, category, okay? That's what we see in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. When he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Um, we, we, we talk about the, the fiery trials, and uh, we talk about the diver's temptations, and, and uh, the patience having a perfect work, and all of that in the first part. <clears throat> that we studied last week. Now we transition into a temptation to sin. This is not a 
a test for growth given by God, but a temptation to sin given to us by Satan. This would hearken back to Adam and Eve. This would hearken back to Satan tempting Eve, uh, drawing her away. And let's watch how that unfolds. So, um, our own selfish desires, we're going to find out in a minute, are the source of our of evil, really. And we're drawn away by them, and they cause us uh, to sin. We're enticed. And what that literally means is to be taken with bait like a fish. <clears throat> That's literally what it means, to be taken with bait. Um. The analogy here is fish. We can apply it in terms of a mouse. We can apply it in terms of a uh, a deer over bait corn. And we can apply it in terms of a fish. So a good fisherman knows where and when to cast his line. He knows where and when to drop the bait. He's very skilled in what he does. And then when that fish, unbeknownst to the fish of what's what's on the other end of that, that bait, he, <clears throat> he bites down and he gets the bait, but in the midst of getting the bait, he gets the hook and he's caught. <clears throat> That's the idea here. A deer, a buck, will grow years strong. He'll grow sturdy. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. Beautiful rack. Velvet in the spring and antlers in the fall and the shedding process and growing back and the process of growth. Then one day, he slips up. He goes to a corn pile. He goes to a, a, a salt lick. He goes to a decoy. Wrong time, wrong place. The hunter catches him. That's the idea here. We grow strong, we grow mature. The potential in us. And the enemy is always seeking, always lurking, always looking at the best way to tempt us. He knows the best... Listen, the best... Fishermen know the proper bait to use in order whom they're going to catch, what they're going to catch. <clears throat> I remember, I, I'm not probably the fisherman that some is, but I've done fishing in my time. And to catch a crappie, you, you would use a minnow, you'd use a little jig bait. And there's a there's a method to it. And not to say other fish wouldn't jump on a minnow, but typically it's you, know, you you go to crappy for that. And then of course you got grub worms and you know to get brim and and catfish will eat just about anything. Carp, you know I've seen them use bread and corn, you name it. But different types of bait are used to snag different types of fish. Well. We see that. We understand that. That's that's the process. And a good fisherman knows what to use 
to snag that fish. And the fact of the matter is, Satan knows what to tempt us with. There may be things that he could easily tempt me with that absolutely would not work on you a bit, unfaze you. There could be things that would tempt you that absolutely would not phase me. You see, he knows he knows how we are. He doesn't know our frame in regards to like the Lord does. The Bible says that the Lord knoweth our frame. In other words, the Lord knows how he's created us. He knows our, our thought processes. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Here's what Satan knows. Satan knows our history. He knows our actions, our deeds, He knows what we say, and so by that, he knows how to get us, but he doesn't know our thoughts. Now, having said all of that, watch what the verse says next. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That just illustrates what I just showed you or taught you. Satan knows how to get us individually, our own lust. So there, whatever is in us that would entice us, there is our weak spot, our weak point. Okay? So we're tempted <coughs> when we're drawn away of his own lust. We leave the group, the school of fish, because we see that, that, that minnow dangling over there. And as we leave the school of fish and we go over there and we grab that minnow, watch. Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So the sin's not the temptation. The sin's not even going to it. Sin is partaking of it. Okay? So it's not a sin to be tempted The sin comes in when we allow that temptation to be overruled and we give into it. Good teaching. And when when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. So sin brings forth death. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it finished, bringeth forth death. Verse 16, do not err, my beloved brethren. So now there's the admonishment, don't err. Don't err. Don't go to the side. Don't commit an error. Don't go. Don't get in out of the way. Verse seventeen: Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So, God gives us good gifts. So you can't confuse temptation with God, because what God gives us is good. If it's in your life and it's good, it's from God. If your Bible and your Holy Spirit and your wife and your family and your children and your home and and your job and, and your church and your preacher, your teacher, your friends, your, your f- folks that you associate with, if it's good, it's of God. That's, that's what your Bible says. So every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. Boy, I love that. No change in him. 
no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, he doesn't change. What did we learn? That a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What did we learn about God? No variableness in him. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Of his own will beget he with us the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So he does with us, he does with us as he wills to do. Verse 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Boy, let me stop and teach this verse. Swift to hear. You ever heard that's why you've got two ears, one mouth? You ever heard that? The term swift to hear would mean quick, it would mean ready, it would mean prone to hear, to listen, slow to speak. I watch out, I told you the other week about trusting people and not trusting people and violating trust. I talked about that, I believe, the last time. Let me tell you somebody else that I'm on, always on guard for. person that's always got to talk. Always got to talk. They've all, they enter the door with mouth first. They've always got to be heard. They've always got to say something. They've always got a comment. They've always got an input. They've always got to, to, to add to. Why? Because the Bible says that person is in direct violation of this verse. Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. <coughs> Let me tell you something else about that person that typically is very quick to speak. They're a rash person. They're a, an emotional person. They're typically an, an immature person. Just like I talked about last time. Now watch what else it says. Slow to wrath. That means because they're such an emotional person, they're the kind of person that gets angry and upset, mad and hurt feelings all the time. Watch the type of person, the person that's like that. It's always seems like they get the maddest, the upset. It's, it's always something that's usually, not every time, but usually it's the person that's always got something to say, always got some input, always got to add to, always got to comment, always have to. I, I'm just teaching you the Bible. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That wrath is uncontrolled anger, temper tantrums, showing out. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You see that? Wrath, uncontrolled anger, nothing good can come out of it. Jesus turned over the tables in the temple he was upset. It was for a purpose, though. He was not out of his head. <clears throat> he knew exactly what he was doing. The wrath of man would mean mad, angry, beyond control, and you don't even half know what you're saying and half know what you're doing. That Bible says right there that the wrath of man 
never worketh the righteousness of God. The two cannot go together. Verse 21, Wherefore lay, aside, lay apart all filthiness, okay, all filthiness, and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness. You remember I told you meek was not weak. Meek was pliable. Meek was willing to give. Meekness is willing to give in to the other side. A different perspective. Not being so rigid. Not being so dug in with your heels and set in stone. Now. That's in relation to the Bible. Because there's some things I ain't budging on. There's some non-negotiables. Some heels you... I'm going to die on, if you please. What are they? Right, well, just a few are... That King James Bible is the Word of God. Bring of speaking people. Comes from the, the uh, received text. Textus Receptus. Out of, out of Antioch, Jerusalem. The other versions, NIV, primarily being being one of them, come out of Alexandria, Egypt. I'm dying on the hill of that word of God right there. I'm dying on that hill. Not budging, not giving in. It's hill I'll die on. Hills are dug in. <coughs> Marriage. Marriage situation with men and women. Dying on that hill. Dying on that hill. Dying on the heel of what the Word of God teaches us. Teaches us what a man is, what a woman is. Dying on that heel. Not not budging on it. Not giving in on it. Okay? What that what that Bible teaches, I'm not giving in on. But here's where I'll give. Here's where I'll give. Watch this. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. When that book points out something in my life and shows me I'm wrong, I am to be meek to that book, giving in and being to the will of the word of God versus my own will. That's meekness. Okay? The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but be doers of, ye doers of the word and not hearers only. A lot of people hear it. A lot of people amen it. A lot of people love it. Love that little preacher. Love that preacher. From the mountains, love preacher. But not willing, not willing to change. Not willing to bend. It says, receive with meekness. The engrafted word, and to be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. A lot of people hear it. They just don't want to do it. So God says, I'm in, interested in those that do. Those that do. Okay? Deceiving your own selves. That's the worst kind of deception. I would hate to be deceived by anyone. And I have been deceived by people. But the worst kind of deception you can have is self-deception. Thinking you're right when you're not. Thinking you're saved when you're not. Thinking you're right with God when you're not. 
thinking you're <clears throat> doing right when it's contrary to the word of God. Thinking you're right in every single situation. Thinking it's always you in the right. That is self-deception. Not understanding context. Not understanding situations. Not understanding realities. You can deceive yourself. It's the worst kind of deception. <clears throat> Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. What do you mean? Well, if I look in a glass, just a glass, then I see right through it and I see the other person. I see what's on the other side. The word of God is not to be a glass for us. The word of God is to be a mirror for us. For you see, if I look at the word of God as a glass, when the preacher's preaching, I'm thinking of, man, he's got them today. Boy, I wish so-and-so could hear this. Man, I wish I wish that, that crowd from the old church could hear this. Man, I wish that guy could hear this. I wish my son could hear this. I wish my daughter could hear this. I wish my brother could hear this. You know what you're doing? The word of God to you is a glass. You're looking through it at someone else. That's not the objective of the word of God. Look at what it says. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way straightway, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What should the Bible be? Not just a glass that you peer through. It should be a mirror that when you look in it and you look at it, you see yourself, not your brother, not your sister, not your children, not your spouse, not your preacher, not the fellow church member. Quit pointing your amens and quit pointing your attaboys and quit pointing your I wish so-and-so could hear this and everyone else looking through the glass, but take the word of God and let it be a mirror and say, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. That's what that's teaching right there. Told you how good the book of James was. It is sinful. It is wrong for you when, when, when you hear that book to always assume and automatically think of, boy, I, I wish he, he's, he's getting on them today. You heard the story. This is a joke, but I, I don't tell many, so you need to write this one down. About the, the fella <clears throat> that every time the sermon was over, an old country church, he'd walk by and say, Preacher, you got him today. He'd shake the preacher's hand, he'd, he'd leave. He preacher think to himself, Man, I was preaching to him. He's talking about you got him. Next week, preacher. You got them today. Man, if 
I was, I was preaching to him. Why did he not get it? I'm talking to him, not everybody else. That's what the preacher's thinking. And then one Sunday it snowed. The preacher was the only one that showed up along with this man. The preacher thought to himself, well, it's just me and him today. So when he leaves here, he ain't going to be able to say, preacher, you got him today. Because it's just me and him. So that preacher opened up that Bible. And he opened up his message and he unloaded everything about that man. I'm telling you, he laid the wood. He went to every verse he could think of. He used every, every illustration he could think of. He pointed, he preached, he hacked. He, he went at it, man. And the service was over. Just the preacher and this man. Preacher met him at the back door. Old man walked by and said, Preacher, if they'd have been here, you'd have got them today. That's how most people are. A lot of people are. They're always looking through the glass at everyone else instead of in the Bible as a mirror, it's me. Verse number, <clears throat> verse number 26. If any man among you seem to be religious. Okay. Let's talk about that real quick. Religious. You say, preacher, I thought religious religion is bad. Well, it's not that it's bad. It's that religion without salvation is hollow. It's empty. Why? Because religion is simply the outward act. It's all it is. It's outward act. Now, if the outward act is produced by an inward spiritual life, that's fine. That's okay. That's what it's supposed to do. But if all someone has is the outward act, then therein lies the problem. So what we see here in verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious, so you seem to have the outward acts of a spiritual life, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. How about that? If you're a gossip and you don't know when to shut up and you've got to run your mouth all the time and you've got to be the one being heard, every act of goodness that Bible says that you do is in vain. <clears throat> now, how about... But James is a tough book. I'm telling you it's a tough book. I don't care what a gossip does that's quote-unquote good. If they're a gossip, every quote-unquote good thing they do is vain. Vain means empty. It means hollow. It means meaningless. So they run the women's circle. They go to every church function. They go to every church dinner. They, they do all of these great acts to be seen and to be part of a group. But they gossip about everyone. Every quote-unquote good thing they do is empty, hollow, and meaningless. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. What does that mean? It means to be a blessing to those that need it most. And to stay clean. <clears throat> to be a blessing to those in need. And to stay clean. Now, what is it teaching us? Keep your mouth closed, your ears open, and your heart full of the love of God 
to do for other people. Good night. God bless. I love you all. James chapter 2, Wednesday.